police in the morning. A young woman apparently survives a drag race accident that had the car she was in toppling off a bridge and into the river below. Unfazed by this experience, the woman heads off across country to her new job as a church organist, experiencing strange things along her trip. And also when she arrives at her new home, the woman begins to suspect that her survival of the accident was not as it appears. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. Here you B-Movies to the best our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. So, here we are, week four of Cult Classic Part 5. Yep. And, ooh, Part 5. I there prepared. Are five weeks this this year in yeah. October. With, um, you know, the 50 horror classics classic box set. Um, description of Carnival of Souls from 1962. So let's just dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three. You heard the booklet. Paul, what do you think about doing the top first? That sounds like a plan to me. Alright, so for me, number three. I got to watch this movie with my dog. You know, he cuddled up to me on the couch, laid his head on my lap, you know. Real real nice, gentle. It was good. It was nice, clean, fun. Well, that's nice. Number two. The main character in this movie, spoiler alert, gets chased around and is anguished by the souls of the carnival. And she totally deserves it. And, you know, number one. During the climax of this film, the main character just wants to get away. She just wants to get away. She keeps saying that. And I could totally relate. Because I just wanted to get away from this film at that point. Like, I kept thinking, just turn it off. Turn it off and get away. But I I couldn't. I had to stay and finish it, but, you know, totally, totally relatable character there. You guys were, um, in sync on that one, and none of those are really positives about the movie, uh... I mean, relatable character, you know... Relatable. They they knew what to do with her, good good things. Alright, number three, I thought the directing in this movie is actually really good. Aesthetically, this movie is very engaging and does a good job of capturing the dread and mystery of the scene, especially for a film that came out... Back in 1962, I think it was. Yes. Number two, the story seemed like it could have been an episode of The Twilight Zone, which I really like, because it's, you know, it's like it takes place somewhere between our our universe, our dimension, and another one, and I, I like those kinds of stories, where there's, like, it's... There's something more than just our regular existence. I, I always think those are cool, which is why I really like The Twilight Zone. And number one, the ending of this movie is somewhat ambiguous, which has led to fans developing various interpretations as to what actually happened at the end. And, you know, I like the fact that there is some stuff to question as to, like, what actually happened. And, you know, I I watched this with my wife. We ended up talking about, like, our theories a little bit. Like, it's not a super big mystery, and it's not that... You can pretty much predict a lot of this film. But, you know, a movie that leaves me questioning what what happened for reasons other than it simply being nonsensical and me questioning why this exists is doing something right so there you go yeah i felt the ending was one of those cop-outs kind of like the whole they were asleep and it was a dream the whole time like i i i don't enjoy that kind of ending in a movie this movie actually had the bad ending to silent hill (laughs) the the game not the movie good game so on the bottom three. For me, number three. So, 
who is this Dr. Samuels? Like, why is he giving her, like, this mental advice and asking her all these questions and things and everything? Because he literally tells her he's not a psychiatrist, but he's doing all these psychiatristy things. Like, who is he and what is he doing this for? Well, he's a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. Oh, okay. It just means he can't prescribe did, did, did medicine. They say, did he say he's a psychologist? He was just some weird... That was, that's the... That, See? Yeah, he's just some weirdo who, like, was... I think he's trying to pick her up or something like, oh, come with me. Like, what I'm was a he doctor. a doctor of? They, they never say. Doctor You love. just assume he's a psychologist. Yeah, it's that, he, that good catch on that he, one. He's a doctor of pickup lines. I don't know. I wouldn't have gone back with him. Uh, number two. Between Mr. Linden and the main characters, personalities, and, like, clashing and changing, like, constantly... Like, they both send off all these mixed signals to each other, and it just seems so unnatural for them to interact, like, most of the time. There's one good scene with them, with, you know, with them having coffee, and the rest of it is just clash, and it's like, I, I just, it was painful for me to watch. Yeah, I can understand that one. I really didn't like Lyndon's character at all, so... Like I said, the, the, the coffee scene kind of, you know, humanized him a little more. But then after that, he was just a total douchebag. But, you know, she also kind of, I guess, led him on with the coffee scene. I, I don't know. There's a theory that they're, that um, Mary's in purgatory and, like, he's one of, since he can see her and perceive her, that, like, he's also there and, like, he's basically, like, he's a hedonist, he's an alcoholic, he's, like, a overly aggressive he's crude and all this other stuff and that he's like basically he's in purgatory but he's like pretty certain he's like gonna be going to hell pretty soon i kind of like that theory just because i hate his character and then number one you know which goes back to the ending for, for me i feel like just about nothing happens for the majority of this movie it, it's one of those movies to me it felt like an episode of a soap opera like we could have gotten through the entirety of the plot in about three minutes and 42 seconds instead of an hour 22. You took this cool, small little concept and you fleshed it out, but you fleshed it out with nothing. It's like reading a new textbook. It's all the old, same old material with like one or two new buzzwords thrown in to get the moolah, but, you know, nothing substantial. Kind of reminds me of when I saw, I think it was um, Ant-Man 2 or one of those <laughs> cape shit movies where, like, the whole time I'm thinking, like, okay, they're just trying to get from point A to point B, but I feel like it's such a simple story, but they just, like, keep tripping on every, like, every crack in the sidewalk to make it seem like there's stuff going on when, like, we know they're going to get to the end of it. It's not that exciting of a journey. And it's, like, I feel like it's just, like, all right, let me walk across the street. Oh, I tripped. I tripped again. It's like, all right, we're still going to get across there. It's just going to take way too long. Oh, look, the villain's about to detonate a hydrogen bomb, but my dry clean cleaner closes in 20 minutes. I have to get to the dry cleaner first. It's like... like <laughs> yeah. It's like playing Death Stranding. It's just a walking simulator and shit happens around you. So what's on your bottom three, Paul? Number three, the acting is just bad all around. Everyone was super dramatic all the time, which wasn't helped by the fact that the dialogue is just so poor and nonsensical half the time. Like, I felt like people would be saying things just because they're like, well, we need to let people know what's, you know, 
a little bit of what's going on, what we're this what we're supposed to think of this character at this point because the acting's not really good enough for that, and it's like just telling you what you're supposed to think, and a lot of the the lines feel very disconnected. Like it's like, oh, I I like um I like uh, strawberry pie. What? You're, why are you being so cold to me? I want to, I don't want to be alone tonight. It's like it feels like they're like. People weren't responding to each other. They were just saying what, like... They're they just were reciting saying, lines. Yeah, they're just saying lines. It's like, I'm feeling... Like, Tuesday is coming. Did you remember your coat? I am feeling fat and sassy. Would you like to go see a movie? <laughs> exactly. It's like... It's not how... It's not how dialogue works, usually. Number two... There seemed to be a lot of scenes that just didn't really move the movie along in any meaningful way. And instead, just made the movie feel a lot longer than it actually was. I guess it's possible you can read more into certain scenes after you know the ending, but just looking back on it, I really don't think that's the case. Like, I don't think there was much, like, hinting at the climax that, was, that wasn't just flat-out stated. And I don't know, like, I felt like it was a lot of... It wasn't really... Um, it wasn't really a story as it was... A progression of time, I guess is the best way of saying it. Or it's like, well, now I'm here, and now I'm here, and now I'm here. And it really, yeah, it didn't feel like it was very, like, scenes progressed each other. It's not like they were just there for the sake of it. Yeah, you know what helps this movie progress? Dog cuddles. No, That's why it's on the top. And number one, maybe I missed something, but my interpretation of the ending, alright, spoilers, well, is Mary had been dead the entire time from the car accident from the beginning and was trying to remain tied to the living world, either through pure strength of will or denial of reality, or perhaps she was in purgatory the whole time, which is kind of dumb, but it's a possibility, I guess. I'm not throwing, I'm not rejecting any ideas at this point. Either way, it really didn't make sense to me that, like, every time the screen got fuzzy, like, she'd people just wouldn't notice her. It was, it, no, like, nothing really triggered that except, like, the screen got fuzzy. Like, I get that her connection to the world had been waning, but, like, why at that time, and how did she reconnect to the world? Like, it, it's another thing that reminds me of Silent Hill, where, like, you know, Harry will just enter that, like, weird, like, world and everything, where everything's all fucky, but, like, I think that's what this movie was going for, but it was so weirdly done that I'm not even sure. Maybe it was a dream because they hinted that too. It was, well, that was very the, odd. The strange thing with it was there was nothing in particular that triggered her to phase into the other world, but both times she came out of the other world was in the park. Yeah, it was... It, it was that same thing where she grabbed the uh, grabbed the branch. It was like the same shot that pulled her back into the world. But again, there's no explanation of... So was she there the whole time? Did she move from point A to point B and just imagine people not seeing her? Like, yeah, and it's fine not to explain everything. Like, I like movies that have like a little bit of mystery and don't like you know feel like they need to hold your hand and condescend to you. But you do need some kind of you know at least have somebody like in the movie say something that somehow relates to that. Like you know hints at something like. It just seemed like it was very weird, and we were never really sure what was going on, and in the end, we're still left not really knowing what's going on, except now just kind of pissed off, because we're never going to know what was going on. 
One of the things we talked about just a little bit was the dialogue in this movie. And even though it's stale and not fresh, we still have to have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. Quote war. We'll quote this movie back and forth. You tell us who had the better quotes. I'll start us off with, what attraction could there be for you out there? All of us imagine things. Now just go and eat that sandwich I made for you. Maybe I want to satisfy myself. I ain't one to make no fuss about a thing like that. In the dark, your fantasy gets out of hand. That ends this episode edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this movie or anything else you'd like to say about it, please leave it in the comments below. It's time to give our final take on this film. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scales are a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it an 8 out of 10. Damn. I gave it a 4 out of 10. So, Carnival of Souls treats you like it does the protagonist. It makes you into a soulless husk for an hour and 22 minutes. In that time, you'll contemplate everything in your power just to keep sane, as the film inches along in the plates of a frozen tortoise. I will keep my soul, thank you very much. This carnival is not worth the price of admission. Carnival of Souls is an interesting film to say the least. It's a weird cross between an art film and a horror movie, which doesn't quite succeed at either one. But manages to look good and does a decent job at creating suspense and mystery. The acting and dialogue is mediocre at best and downright laughable at worst, and the story moves at, it moves so painstakingly slow that you can skip at least 30 minutes of the second act without miss, missing anything important. It's more like a series of happenings rather than a story, as it, each scene feels very disconnected from the last. The big reveal isn't exactly surprising, though it manages to conclude in a way that leaves some level of ambiguity that's at least kind of fun to talk to for five minutes after the film. It's a shame that a film that with a unique concept just couldn't follow through with an equally engaging story. Well, whether you liked it, hated it, want to forget it or have a little bit of fun, we always have ways to drink away this flick. Drink away this flick. So come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away this flick. Bum, 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 bum. We'll give some drinking aims for this film, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time the main character is in a car, take a drink. Number two, Every time she sees the man, take a drink. Number three, whenever she moves to the silent world, take a drink. Number four, anytime she visits the carnival, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's cult classic month, anytime you can make a connection between two cult classics we've reviewed, take a drink. Every time, time no one notices Mary, take a drink. Every time Mary says she wants to be alone, take a drink. Or doesn't want to be alone, take a drink also. Every time someone describes Mary as cold, distant, or independent, take a drink. And every time Lyndon is a creepy weirdo, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away the split. Bum, 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 bum. If you have any other thoughts on this movie or anything else B-Movie related, leave us a comment on either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros gmail.com, like us on Facebook at facebook.com, that's bmoviebros. Follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros, my personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. You can check out all of the other content, including reviews, interviews, and chats on our website, bmoviebros.com, where we have new shows each week. If you want to help support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links are right below. We've come to the end of week four here for Cult Classic Edition 5. Let's rank the movies. For me, in the number four spot, Carnival of Souls, My Soul is Not for Sale. You really hated that one. Number three, Dementia 13. Although not a good movie, at least it had half an hour of a good movie at the beginning of it. Number two, Little Shop of Horrors, an interesting version of a story I know very well. And number one, The Phantom of the Opera.
a movie that I can probably, you know, say is one of the all-time best movies of ever. Yeah, for number four, I have Dementia 13. I was very disappointed with the fact that it changed direction and after, like, the 30-minute mark, and it just sucked from there, so fuck that. Number three, Carnival of Souls. Not a great movie, but it was somewhat interesting, you know, had... I. Feel like it might have been um, some of the what of the influence of um, Silent Hill and you know what I kind of think it might have been the influence for that one episode of the, of the Simpsons where Bart sells his soul to Millhouse and then <laughs> can't go through like you know doors and it, doors that like automatically open at the supermarket and other stuff. I, I, I just want to believe that's true. I have no evidence for that, but it's it's true in my head. Mister Linden is pyramid head. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Number two, Little Shop of Horrors. It's, it was a fun movie, and it was really cool seeing the original Little Shop of Horrors since I'd seen the musical before and, you know, different iterations of it. It was really cool seeing the actual, like, prototypical Little Shop of Horrors. And number one, The Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney. It's just a fantastic movie. It's really hard to beat, and there was no way these other, th other three were going to come anywhere close to it. Well, next week, we'll round out our cult classic month with the original, the progenitor of the zombie genre, not Night of the Living Dead, but the 1932 classic, White Zombie. Just in time for Halloween. So until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Get over there.